Chapter 2, verse 256, Allah Almighty says that Allah, there is no God but He, the living and self-subsisting and all-sustaining. Slumber seizes Him not nor sleep. To Him belongs whatsoever is in the heavens and whatsoever is in the earth. Who is He that will intercede with Him except by His permission? He knows what is before them and what is behind them, and they encompass nothing of His knowledge except what He uh, except what he pleases. His knowledge extends over the heavens and the earth, and the care of them burdens him not, and he is the high, the great. We'll begin commentary of this verse by going over first the points that Hazrat Masih Ma'ud has mentioned in tafsir of this verse. And firstly, Hazrat Masih Ma'ud has described the attributes of Allah Ta'ala wal hayyul qayyum the ever-living and self-subsisting. And what is emphasized here is Al-Hayy relates to Allah Almighty being living within Himself. He was never had a creator and He has always existed. And also that He is the one that gave all people life and He gave us life as well. Al-Qayyum emphasizes that Allah Almighty is He who sustains us. He is self-subsisting within Himself and he sustains all people that exist. And so there is a constant need for the support of Allah Almighty. This is something that plays a significant role in the worship that we do of Allah Ta'ala. So this is why Al-Hayyul Qayyum are significant attributes. And also, as it Masih Ma'ud related how Al-Qayyum is related to the prayer of Iyaka Nabudu wa Iyaka Nasta'in. He writes that Bas istighfar sift قیومیت کا فیض حاصل کرنے کے لیے کرتے رہنے کی طرف اشارہ سورہ فاتحہ کی اس آیت میں ہے کہ ایا کا نابد و ایا کا نستعین یعنی ہم تیری ہی عبادت کرتے ہیں اور تجھ سے ہی اس بات کی مدد چاہتے ہیں کہ تیری قیومیت اور ربوبیت ہمیں مدد دے اور ہمیں ٹھوکر سے بچاوے تا ایسا نہ ہو کہ کمزوری ظہور میں آوے اور ہم عبادت نہ کر سکیں یہ explains that um, istighfar is done in order to benefit from the attribute of al-qayyum. And this is indicated towards also in Surah Al-Fatiha when we pray that you alone do we worship and you alone do we beg for help. That we seek the help of your attribute by means of your attribute of qayyumiyat and rabubiyat. That you support us and you save us from stumbling. That a time never come when we are not able to worship you. Explaining this uh, attribute a bit, he says that so wo khuda khalik bhi hai aur qayyum bhi. Aur jab insaan paida ho gaya, to khalikiyat ka kaam to pura ho gaya. Magar qayyumiyat ka kaam hamesha ke liye hai. Isi liye daimi istighfar ki zururit peesh aai hai. He says that gharis khuda ki har ek sift ke liye ek faiz hai. So Huzur says that the attribute of al-hai 
comes and completes its task when the creation happens. But then after that, there is constantly a need for qayyum, for the sustenance of that creation. So this is a subject of al-hayyul qayyum and why it has been repeated for the same reason that this subject has been repeated in Surah Al-Fatiha and so many other places. These are the two attributes of the existence of Allah Ta'ala that are emphasized, which is that the glory of Allah Ta'ala is established firstly in the fact that He is the Creator. When we reflect on the fact that Allah Ta'ala created us, then it creates a grandeur within our hearts. But that is not sufficient to sustain a relationship with Allah Ta'ala. It simply creates a respect for Allah Ta'ala within our hearts. There are many people who believe that Allah Ta'ala is Al-Khayy. They believe that Allah Ta'ala is the Creator. But they have no concept of a living relationship with Allah Ta'ala. It's one thing to not have a living relationship with Allah Ta'ala, but to have no concept of it whatsoever is another issue. And this is where Al-Qayyum comes in. A person can believe in a God. He can believe that God created him. He can believe in the grandeur of creation. He can respect all of these points. But if a person does not believe that Allah Ta'ala is Al-Qayyum, then he has no need for Allah Ta'ala in his present life. It is just a gratitude that he has. Like an orphan child who has an attachment with the parents who have passed away, but he does not have any relationship. He just has a connection with them, an association with them. But there is no living relationship with those parents. So also is the case of people who believe in a God who is Al-Hayy, but is not Al-Qayyum. They are like the orphan children of God. And in refutation of this point, Hazrat Masima spoke in uh, refutation of the Hindu doctrines of how there, perhaps Hinduism teaches this or most Hindus believe this, that souls exist independent of Allah Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala may be the creator, but he is not the sustainer. And the souls can self-subsist on their own without the continued support of a creator and without the continued support of Allah Almighty. And so Hazur explained that the attribute of Al-Qayyum is necessary for a person to have true faith in God Almighty. So this is <clears throat> what is emphasized also in Surah Al-Fatiha, that we are taught that Allah Ta'ala is the creator. But also, He is not just the creator, but He is a Rabb in the more vast sense, that He causes us to progress stage by stage. His Rahmaniyat and Rahimiyat are with us at every moment. His Malikiyat is also not just on the Day of Judgment, but it is in this world as well that he has full power and mastery over everything. So when a person believes in a God who is Qayyum, then he has a need, not just a desire or a want, but he has a need to pray to Allah Almighty, to have a living relationship with Him. And this is the essence of religion. This is the essence of spirituality. Without this, there is no real spirituality. There is just doctrines. A person believing in Al-Hayy can doctrinally be a religious individual. He can be a theist, but he is not going to benefit at all from spirituality. Spirituality comes from not just Al-Hayy, but it comes from Al-Qayyum. So when a person recognizes not only that Allah Ta'ala is the one who gave him life and is Al-Hayy, but also that he is Al-Qayyum. So Allah Ta'ala now, so that person now doesn't only just have a relationship as he does with an orphaned, as an orphan child has with his parents. He does not see Allah Ta'ala as a being with which he has a distant attachment and a connection by means of the source of his life. But also he has a living and daily connection with Allah Ta'ala. 
So Al-Hayyul Qayyum is the verse with which um, Ayatul Kursi begins. And as we know, this is a very important and fundamental verse in the Holy Quran about which the Holy Prophet ﷺ also spoke of, with the, the, that it is a verse of great significance. So the verse starting in this way that Allahu la ilaha illahu al-hayyul qayyum that uh, refuting shirk and establishing the unity of Allah Ta'ala and then by describing and summarizing the attributes of Allah Ta'ala with two attributes, al-hayyul qayyum these two attributes carry great significance in them and there is a great deal that one can learn from reflecting on them. Then Hazrat Masimah explains the subject of shafat, of intercession. And there are two aspects to this subject. One that is specific to the Holy Prophet as being the true shafi and being the true manifestation of a person who does intercession, the one person in all of humanity. And then there is the more broad sense in which it is used, the sense in which it is described as the prayer that a person does for another individual. In this regard, Hazrat Masimah says that یاد رہے کہ کسی شخص کا دین کامل نہیں ہو سکتا جب تک کہ شفاعت کے رنگ میں ہمدردی اس میں پیدا نہ ہو بلکہ دین کے دو ہی کامل حصے ہیں ایک خدا سے محبت کرنا اور ایک بنینوں سے اس قدر محبت کرنا کہ ان کی مصیبت کو اپنی مصیبت, مصیبت سمجھ لینا اور ان کے لیے دعا کرنا جس کو دوسرے لفظوں میں شفاعت کہتے ہیں حضور ایکسپلینز ایٹ ریمبر نو پرسنز ریلیجن کین بی کمپلیٹ انٹل Um, uh, he does not uh, have sympathy and empathy for others in the color of intercession. He says that there are two uh, uh, there are two aspects of the perfection of religion. One is that a person should love Allah Almighty, and the other is that he should love his fellow man to the extent that he sees their hardships as his own hardships, and he prays for them as he prays for himself. In other words, this is what is called shafat. So shafat in this sense is when a person is filled with sympathy for his fellow man by which he sees their suffering as equal to his own. And this is the essence of hukuk al As we hear many times, Islam essentially teaches two things, hukuk al and hukuk al which is fulfilling our responsibilities to our Creator, the worship of Allah Ta'ala. And secondly, is fulfilling our responsibilities to our fellow man. So both of these together are necessary. One without the other is incomplete. And a person cannot attain to righteousness without both aspects of these. There are some who think that they can achieve uh, sainthood simply by worship of Allah Ta'ala. But this is something that Islam has not allowed. In fact, Islam has forbidden it. Because not only through monasticism does a person cut off his connection with other people, but also he loses the capacity to be sympathetic to other people. As Rad Masih says that Rahbaniyat ham dardi ko dur kar deti hai. Or yehi wajah hai ke Islam ne Rahbaniyat ko nahi rakha. He says that monasticism separates a person from empathy and sympathy. And this is why Islam has not permitted it, it is forbidden it. So when a person completely cuts himself off from other people, and concentrates only on hukukullah while ignoring hukukul ibad, then he loses half the purpose of his creation. His heart begins to be hardened. And although he seeks to have a connection with Allah Ta'ala, but he deprives himself of the necessary connection with people. And so in this way, this is rahbaniyat, which is monasticism, and it is not a source of righteousness. It is in fact disobedience to Allah Ta'ala. And on the other hand, there is 
an extreme that people go to where they say that we are sympathetic to our fellow man. We do charity and we serve people. But without believing in Allah Ta'ala that service to people is not a truly righteous deed. Because a righteous deed that is deserving of a spiritual reward has to have a spiritual intention. If a person does something for a worldly purpose, then it has a worldly reward. But for a spiritual reward, it is necessary that hukukul ibad be accompanied with hukukullah. That there should be a worship of Allah Ta'ala, a love of Allah Ta'ala, and a service of Allah Ta'ala that is found in those actions. So both of these things are necessary. The worship of Allah Ta'ala, fulfilling our responsibility to Allah Ta'ala, and fulfilling our responsibilities to our fellow man. The sympathy that is found in our heart for our fellow man, which leads us to pray for them, and to seek their spiritual benefit is in the most broad sense of the word what is referred to as shafat. And as Masih has described that when a person ascends and gains nearness to Allah Ta'ala, then naturally Allah Ta'ala creates a sympathetic nature within him by which he wants to benefit people. And then he wants to introduce them, those people to the blessings of Allah Ta'ala that he has received. And so then he strives that those people receive those blessings and he prays for them as well. And this is in the broad sense of the word shafat. As the Masih Maudah has also described here a milestone that we can use to gauge ourselves. And that milestone is that we should strive to love others in the way that we love ourselves, have sympathy for others in the way that we have sympathy for ourselves. So we can imagine our closest relationships, our parents or our wives or our children. There's a certain point where a person loves and prays for others more than he prays for himself. This, there is a reason why parents, even in the animal kingdom, would put their own lives at risk to protect their children. So this sympathy which Hazrat Masih is describing is not a high level of spirituality, but it is something that is found in human nature and even in animal nature. As Hazrat Masih described here, that uh, hum, uh, he said that hamdardi isme paida na ho Hold on, give me a second. Ji, uh, he says that, Or yaad rahe ki kisi shaks ka deen kamil nahi ho sakta jab tak ki shafat ke rang mein hamdardi usme paida na ho balke deen ke do hi kamil hisse hai ek khuda se mohabbat karna ho ek bani nao se is qadar mohabbat karna ki uski mohibat, uski musibat ko apni musibat samaj lena or unke liye dua karna jis ko dousre lafzon mein shafat kehte hain. So he said the hardship that comes upon another we consider it our own hardship. So this is not some unattainable level of spirituality. We see even among animals that a mother will protect her children and will see the danger that they are in as greater than the danger of her own life. And she will put her life at risk and will give testimony to that risk by dying for the sake of her children, by standing in front of a predator and putting herself there as bait so that her children's lives can be saved or they can buy a little bit of time. <clears throat> so this is something that is found in us as human beings as well. And the natural spiritual expression of this is that we then pray for that other person more than we pray for ourselves or with more pain and sincerity than we pray for ourselves. So this is something that all of us can experience as well. That when we look within our hearts, we find an instinct to defend our children even with our own lives. And so we carry that instinct over to spirituality and pray for them with a greater fervor and pain than we pray for ourselves. So now when we, each of us can experience this in principle, then to apply it in the more broad sense, that to what extent can I apply this to my parents? To what extent can I apply this to my spouse? And how much further and wider can I strive to make this circle? 
The circle begins with the most smallest of circles, but then it continues to extend until that circle extends over the entire world in the way that the Holy Prophet ﷺ became Rahmatul Alameen. And his love for every person became like the love that a person has for their own child. And he sought the benefit of others in the way that he, uh, with a greater fervor than he sought for his own self. So this is in principle the broad concept of shafat. Um, which is which uh, we'll describe here before going into the more specific aspect of it. The last point we'll cover in today's daris has to do with a point that Hazrat Masih made in uh, relation to uh, shafat in the worldly sense of how there is worldly benefit that comes to people who are the spiritual benefactors of others, and this is a principle that we've covered before. There's a statement of Hazrat Dawood where he said that I never saw the child of a saint dying of starvation that Allah Ta'ala gives worldly blessings to those who are the children of righteous people and this is something that we can also reflect on because we see this as something that is clear within the Jama'at that those who are children and ancestors of Sahaba, of saints within the Jama'at then those children have benefited in a worldly way and that Allah Ta'ala bless them with the blessings of this world. And there are many people who have been blessed in extraordinary ways, where it is clear that this is an Allah Ta'ala's favor upon them because of the, the righteousness of their parents. But also it should be remembered here that if a person has received these worldly blessings because of the righteousness of our parents, it doesn't mean that Allah Ta'ala is necessarily pleased with us, but rather it is just an expression of pleasure towards our parents, not towards us. So many of us enjoy these blessings and many of our children will enjoy these blessings as well if we are righteous. We see this in the children and the, the generations that follow the Sahaba of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu اس دیوار کے گرنے سے اندیشہ تھا کہ خزانہ ننگا ہو کر لوگوں کے ہاتھ آ جائے گا وہ لڑکے بیچارے خالی ہاتھ رہ جاویں گے تو اللہ تعالیٰ نے دو نبیوں کو اس خدمت کی واسطے مقرر فرمایا وہ گئے اور اس دیوار کو درست کر دیا کہ جب وہ بڑے ہوں تو پھر کس طرح, کسی طرح ان کے ہاتھ وہ خزانہ آ جاوے بس اس جگہ اللہ تعالیٰ نے یہی فرمایا کہ وَقَانَ أَبُوْهُمَا صَالِحَا یعنی ان لڑکوں کا باپ نیک مرد تھا جس کے واسطے ہم نے ان کے خزانہ کی حفاظت کی اللہ تعالیٰ کے ایسا فرمانے سے معلوم ہوتا ہے کہ وہ لڑکے کچھ اچھے نہ تھے اور نہ اچھے ہونے والے تھے ورنہ یہ فرماتا ہے کہ یہ لڑکے اچھے ہیں صالح ہیں اور صالح ہونے والے ہیں نہیں بلکہ ان کے باپ کا ہی حوالہ دیا کہ ان کے باپ کی نیکی کی وجہ سے ایسا کیا گیا ہے دیکھو یہی تو شفاعت ہے and there was a treasure of theirs that was hidden underneath the wall and that wall was about to collapse and if it had collapsed then the treasure would have been uncovered and those orphans would have been deprived of their inheritance and so Allah Ta'ala raised or sent two prophets for this work that they rebuild this wall and because of it those children would have their inheritance the Holy Quran says that وَكَانَ أَبُوْهُمَا صَالِحَا that the, the father of those orphans was righteous it does not say that the orphans were righteous otherwise it would have said so but, it, and it would have said that, so what we learn from this is that those children were not righteous, nor were they mentally righteous. But it was their father who was righteous, and this was a type of shafat. 
This was a blessing that the children had received in a worldly sense because of the spiritual goodness of their parents. So this is a principle that Allah Ta'ala has taught us in the Holy Quran. And this is something that is especially relevant for us that when we see the uh, prosperity that is enjoyed by the children of those who are righteous, then it should not be something that misleads those children to think that this is a sign of Allah Ta'ala's pleasure of us. It is a blessing. It is a result of the shafaat of our righteous parents. But that blessing is something that is done as a gift for our parents. It is done out of appreciation and a sort of, uh, in the way in which Allah Ta'ala does not let the actions of righteous people go to waste even in this world, let alone in the next. So it is a source of reminder for us and reformation for us that we should strive to live up to the standards of those who came before us. And uh, you know, we, to always be grateful to the prayers that our forefathers and our generations before us have, set, have sent forth the, the blessings of which we are enjoying in this day and in this time. So with these points, we'll end today's letters. And uh, since iftar is in...